Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is Fanatic with a PH, Fanatic underscore pick. The final game of the college football season takes place here on Monday. And then the following Friday, we're going to hear the final declarations from the underclassmen as we start to fine-tune the NFL draft in April. With NFL draft talk heating up, we're going to take a look at a handful of prospects in the LSU-Clemson National Championship game because out of these two teams, you're probably going to have 20 or 25 players drafted from both of these colleges combined. So we're going to go through our top 10 Dolphins board for both teams, LSU and Clemson. But before we do that and get into that list, Paul, I know who's who's number one on, on our list for the Dolphins if it were held today. Surprise, surprise, it would be Joe Burrow. You, I'll throw it to you first. I think you've earned the right for that, Paul. I mean, you he was a projected fifth or sixth round pick before the season started, and he's had an incredible season. Over 5,000 yards, 55 touchdowns, with still a national championship game left to play. What did you originally see in this guy that made you think that he would have a season like this? And in addition to that, uh, your overall analysis of Burrow as a player. It's funny. I, I kind of hoped he wouldn't have a season like this. I saw the potential in him for uh, becoming a monster. I saw the toughness in him. I saw a lot of touch on his passes. I saw his ability to throw on the run. And I, I, I really saw a guy that I liked and thought could transition well to the pro level. Not every college quarterback or really any position can translate well to the pro level. What I saw from Joe Burrow, what I saw in the leadership aspects, what I saw just as far as the touch he has on his passes and his ability to throw into a tight window were, were something that really impressed me. And you'll recall before, before the season, I was saying I would, I would take, I'd rather wait and take Burrow than take Tua at the top of the draft. When Tua was healthy or only had one ankle surgery, at least at that point. And Joe Burrow was kind of a fifth or sixth round pick. That Certainly. doesn't change for me. It, it, it doesn't. It's, and one of the scenarios I put out there, because, yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals are probably going to take Joe Burrow. They're probably not going to trade out of the number one spot. Stranger things, though, have happened. Chase Young, who's arguably the best player in this draft, is also out there at a position that the Bengals could use help at. Um, they, you know, a lot of folks want to talk about who Miami's in love with as far as a quarterback goes, whether they think it's Tua, whether they think it's Love, whether they think it's Herbert which I know you and I don't. There are always possibilities we need to consider that Joe Burrow is probably unattainable, but he's not definitely unattainable. So if the Bengals are willing to trade out, I would give give up a, a decent chunk to move up. I wouldn't give up a Mike Dick, a Ricky Williams Hall to move up and get Joe Burrow. 
but I'd certainly give up a couple, at least a couple of first round picks and throw in a second. Uh, to, to me, that's a no brainer to get a franchise quarterback. Yeah. And I it's, think that's what it would take uh, in order to do that. I mean, like we've talked about, cause you, you, I mean, I, I think two first rounders and a second rounder to swap from five to one, unless you're willing to do that. I don't even think you pick the phone up because of, of, of how it is. Uh, and even then it would be a little bit up in the air, but I, I, I think that's a good starting point because they're not just going to take, you know, a first or a second round pick to fall down from chase young or Joe Burrow. They're down to five. So yeah, he's number one. one uh, go ahead. Bob. One thing I want to add real quick, sorry, is if, the Bengals do take Chase Young number one overall. There becomes no clear-cut player except for maybe Andrew Thomas for the Redskins at number two. So I'd be willing to pick the phone up, and I'd still give up two firsts in a, in, in a second for him at that point in time, if need be, to go up and get that franchise quarterback. Get somebody that doesn't have the health concerns. Get somebody that has shown he can do it all with his feet, with his arm, with his leadership skills, et cetera, and has shown the ability to stay healthy, even at the times he's taken a pounding. And for me, that would be completely worthwhile to move up and get, even if it's for the number two spot, if the Bengals were to take Chase Young or some other ridiculousness as this process goes on. Well, I, to me, it would have to be Chase Young, a massive haul of picks like the one we talked about, or they're taking Burrow. And if I were to put a percentage on it right now, I, I would say it's a 99% chance they, they take Joe Burrow. I mean, it's it's a quarterback. It's it's it, the best player in college football by far. One of the best seasons we've ever seen out of a player. Six foot four, 220 pounds, lives three hours away from Cincinnati. I, I don't think it's a a situation where Burrow has to impress the Bengals. I, I think it's he has to throw up a significant red flag to deter the Bengals from taking him right now. And Chase Young, to me, would be the only other solution for that. But I, I put Chase Young at about a 1% chance if they stayed at that number one pick. Because like we've talked about, I mean, after the first two players, Joe Burrow and Chase Young, the draft board drops off significantly. It does. And – I, while I do believe the Bengals are going to take Joe Burrow, I think, and this is for our listeners as well, not just for us, it, it's if you don't prepare for various scenarios, the second a scenario happens, and we've seen it year in and year out in this NFL draft, you know, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield supposedly wasn't going number one a few years ago. You know, you look back at the last five drafts, you can probably point to five or six absolute shockers in the first 15 picks uh some in the top five some in the top three at least one at the top at the top and you have to be prepared for it because otherwise once once that scenario happens literally all you can do is sit there and throw up in your lap because that's about as effectively you're you're more effectively prepared for that than you are for the possibility that's something that while unrealistic is not completely unrealistic may happen. Yeah, we saw that with Laramie Tunzel, and we saw that when uh, the Dolphins traded up for Deion Jordan uh, back in 2013. I mean, uh, the Jordan trade didn't work out, but uh, I don't think any of us saw us going from 12 to 3 to, to get his services. And confession, uh, I liked that trade up at the time until Jordan turned into the player and the person I didn't think he was. So 
that's where the draft gets fascinating. So, yeah, Joe Burrow for me would be the number one overall player on my board, too, ahead of Chase Young and, and ahead of, of Tua. You know, what really won me over with him is how for a big man he could put such touch on the ball. And I think that's the, the main difference traits-wise you see between him and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert doesn't what I call throw a catchable ball, one that – where the, the ball is toward the tail end of it is pointing down when it goes over the linebacker and is in front of the safety. I think Justin Herbert is really firing the ball high and away. The ball placement's bad a lot. Not the case with Joe Burrow. And what a schedule he faced, too. I mean, he, he played. this will be his seventh game against a team ranked in the top nine this year. His other six games, he completed 77.8% of his passes. 2,320 yards, 22 touchdowns, two interceptions, an NFL quarterback rating of almost 140, and 42.7 points a game there with Joe Brady at at, at LSU. So an incredible season from him, and we're getting all the Joe Burrow talk out of the way as much as we can now because we're not going to spend a significant amount of time talking about him during the draft because He's likely going to go number one to Cincinnati. But, Paul, then that's where it gets interesting because LSU and Clemson have, like I said, about 20 players on both rosters that could be drafted. Who comes in at number two on your list? Mainly because of Miami's absolute lack of a pass rush. Kalevon Chason absolutely is number two with an exclamation point on my list. The guy's an elite pass rusher. But he, he's not limited to that. He can set the edge. He can drop back in coverage and be effective. Yeah, he only had six and a half sacks this year. But he had two passes defense. He had a forced fumble. Uh, I think he dropped in coverage more than he rushed the passer in, in the Alabama game. And, and the guy can do it all. He's a very complete and polished DN slash outside linebacker slash edge player that's a beautiful fit for a Brian Flores defense, even though even one that might lose Patrick Graham as we move forward here, I think Brian Flores would have a ton of fun scheming and fitting Clavon Chase on into this Dolphins defense, and we would suddenly have a pass rush again. So if I'm hearing you correctly there, Paul, you would take Chase on, say both were there at 18, you would take Chase on over Isaiah Simmons. Yes. Got it. It's close, yeah. but yes. Yeah, and I was very close on that too myself um, because Isaiah Simmons, I put slightly ahead of that list, and I, I'm impressed you had the courage to put Chase on slightly ahead. Uh, I, I've got Simmons it's, at number two, but barely. I mean, I, I a lot of Dolphins Twitter are raving about this guy, and there's a lot to rave about. I mean, you look back at his season, he, he had – Seven sacks, two forced fumbles, 14 and a half tackles for loss. Even more impressive, um, according to PFF, the snaps he took at each position. He took 104 snaps at defensive line, 203 as a stand-up linebacker, 230 as a slot cornerback, 106 at free safety, and even six as a boundary cornerback. So mouth-watering versatility. But uh, he's somebody I'm more hoping falls to 18, but I don't think he will. Um, because I have, I think there are bigger fish to fry at other positions, mainly pass rusher, like you said, offensive tackle, and several other positions there. I mean, and when you look at the versatility, I, 
to me, with a 22-year-old young man, there's so much for this guy to learn when he comes in the NFL. I can't tack on that he's automatically going to seamlessly pick up three or four NFL positions to the point where it would justify that versatility. But still, I think even if you put Simmons at one position, whether it's linebacker, edge rusher, Wherever it is, I think you've got a talented football player. And, Paul, number three on my list, for a lot of reasons, you said uh, Kalevon Chase on 6'4", 249. You know, when I watched him on tape, I, I look back at Vince Beagle and think of the roles that he plays. One time you'll see Beagle rush off the edge on third down. One time you'll see him drop back into coverage. Another time you'll see him take the running back out in the flat. And I think that's going to be very good versatility as well. You know, he doesn't have the, the sacks on his resume that Chase Young has. I mean, this past year was was his uh, – had his he had his most sacks with six and a half. But he does so many other things very well. He's somebody that I've, I've really got targeted as a realistic option there at 18. So, Paul, who's number three for you? I'd agree with you on the chase. One last thing on the chase on bit, too, is, is he missed the 2018 season. And so, I mean, he's, he probably was a little bit slowed by that ACL injury. So I expect him to be even more explosive uh, going into 2020. But again, it's for a lot of the reasons you mentioned at number three, I've got Isaiah Simmons. I think he could be everything that Brian Flores hoped Minka Fitzpatrick could be, but wouldn't buy into. And we've seen the way that Isaiah Simmons is utilized in college. I think he could be very effective, even if he's not going to be asked to play as many positions at the NFL level, he could absolutely be a flexible piece in that secondary that you can move around. And, and guys like Chason and, and Simmons that you can move around a little bit and put in various roles only help you with confusing opposing offenses because you can keep the same personnel on the field and do a lot of effective things. So, yeah, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, Isaiah Simmons is right there at number three, closely behind Chason, but just, just a little after based on need because of the fact that Miami is a little bit thick in some ways at safety and could probably improve there more through free agency. Whereas as pass rusher, edge rusher, outside linebacker, Miami almost needs to look at the draft to improve that. Yeah, I'm with you there, Paul. So it sounds like obviously we would take Burrow at five, we trade up for him, and Isaiah Simmons and Kalevin Chase on – appear to be good options for both of us if they fell to 18. I think uh, Chase on is a little bit more of a chance to fall to 18, but, you know, we, we have them very, very closely ranked on our boards there. And fourth, you know, again, we kind of go down maybe another tier, maybe not, but it is down another tier tier for me, and that's uh, – I've got safety Grant Delpit there and I he and my number five guy I I was switching back and forth in preparation for this show a lot you know he's a player that we were really high on heading into the year I mean like I'm talking top five top ten high on heading into this year and didn't have the best year he he still won the uh, Thorpe award for the best defensive back in the country a lot of people thought it should have gone to somebody else but he did win that award not quite sure if he deserved it he had a lot of missed tackles this year for LSU's defense. Um, two interceptions, no forced fumbles, 59 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, seven passes defended. So not eye-popping numbers as far as the stat box is concerned. He's somebody that I would see 
that would start out at the free safety spot. And he, you'd see him rotating throughout the defense because he's not that true center, center fielder like an Earl Thomas. And he plays a little bit more like a strong safety um, because he's better coming up, using those instincts to read the play, come up, run and hit on that. So at 18, I, I still can't say with a straight face that I would take Grant Delpit as we sit here today, but would certainly be pretty good value there late first, early second round for the Dolphins. So Grant Delpa comes in at number four for me. For me at number four, I've got Christian Fulton. Uh, he, if he was there at 18, Chason Simmons were both gone. I would take Fulton all day. He, he can play on the boundary. He can play in the nickel. He can play effectively in, in almost any type of coverage. He's got decent size. He's very physical. He can be a little bit too physical downfield at times, but he can be that guy opposite Xavier Howard next year. And, and that's a big gaping hole at the moment. I know Nick Needham played well down the stretch. Chase or uh, Fulton would be an absolute upgrade over Nick Needham as much as I like the guy. And suddenly you're a lot more talented at the corner position heading into the 2020 season with Fulton opposite Xavier Howard. Uh, with Nick Needham there to, to be that third corner, with, with McCain still there, with Eric Rowe at safety as well. I mean, you're, you're in really good shape with that secondary if, if you can add a Christian Fulton in the mid-first round. Fulton is number five on mine and very easily could have been number four. And it wouldn't surprise me at, by the end of the week if, if Fulton were, were back up at four. Uh, yeah, you nailed it on him. I mean, he's... He's a big physical cornerback. He's six foot, two hundred pounds, and he's very consistent from year to year. He had a little bit of an injury this year, so he probably had a better 2018 season. But I remember at the be- really at this time last year, Greedy Williams was the top five lock. He ended up being a mid second round pick, and Christian Fulton was the best cornerback on their team at that time. So I think he's a solid pick across the board. Uh, 18 um, might be a little bit too rich for my blood. Uh, but I, I would certainly consider it uh, 26 or, or, or early second round, I, th- I think would be tremendous value for him there. Number five, Paul, on your list, uh, does Grant Delpit make the top five for you? He just misses it, believe it or not. And a lot of that has to do. So we've gone over this through our free agency shows that we've done thus far, whether it's our internal free agency, our external free agency shows, Wide receivers is absolutely a deep, 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 deep position for the Dolphins at this point. You've got Preston Williams coming back next year. You've got Jakeem Grant returning from injury. You've got Albert Wilson, as it stands right now, under contract. You've got the emergence of Devontae Parker. You've got Alan Hearns under contract. Isaiah Ford starting to emerge. So really, you wouldn't think wide receiver would be a position you'd look at in the first round. However... Chris Greer is a guy that I think is going to take most players if he feels that they can upgrade a position, even if it's a position that you're already strong at. He's going to take a BPA unless it makes absolutely no sense, and it still does make sense to add a wide receiver in this draft. T. Higgins for Clemson has monstrous size, and if you can add him to the mix – with a Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, 
and, you know, keep Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant in that pesky role, you are going to have tremendous size with yet another six foot four wide receiver. The guy at 1,100 plus yards this year, 13 touchdowns, averaged just under 20 yards per catch. He's had 25 touchdowns over the past two seasons, and he's a huge reason why Clemson is where they are today. You know, if what a difference a year makes, because a year ago today, if T. Higgins were in the draft, this is at a time where Devontae Parker was a bust, and they lost Jarvis Landry not too long before that, and Albert Wilson's coming off a, a torn Achilles. I probably would add T. Higgins as a top 10, 15 player on my board for the entire draft. He is nowhere in my top 10 on here, but he is an extremely talented player. I just don't see where you'd fit him on the team. Um, because uh, to me, it, at that point, it would either be T. Higgins or Preston Williams for the long term. I, I don't see a spot for all three of them. And th- the reason being is T. Higgins, T. Higgins in the ACC there – never played in the slot at all. He ran two routes. He ran the outside, and he ran the comeback. That's it. But he is an extremely talented player. I mean, he, he, in fact, my comparison for him would probably be Devontae Parker. So it, the, the only way I could see Higgins being a consideration is, for me, and this I'm just jumping ahead to what, what I was going to say here at 10, is if Albert Wilson is cut and – they, we get to April and Preston Williams is having problems coming back from his injury, or they start to feel that he maybe not be may not be as as much of a lock for that future boundary receiver as we think he is. But otherwise, I just, I don't see how you're getting all these guys on the field. And I, I I think wide receiver two is a position where somebody like Preston Williams is not going to be okay saying, you know what, I just want to be here. I you know I. And if I play 25 snaps a game and I have 40 catches for 500 yards, I'm okay with that. that, that that's my only issue there with, with T. Higgins so, as a potential so first-round pick. I just want to jump right in before we get to yours. For me as well, part of ranking T. Higgins where I did is the fact that we've changed offensive coordinators. We've gone to Chan Gailey. We're going to see a lot less two tight end looks, possibly even a lot less, you know, Run, two running back looks. We, we're going to see a lot of spread offense here. So if you've got four or five guys spread sometimes, if you've got a T. Higgins out there, you've got a Devontae Parker, a Preston Williams, and a Mike Kosicki, and either a running back or one of the pesky wide receivers in Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, you are going to create some tremendous mismatches against that secondary uh, in passing situations. You can literally Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever the quarterback is at that point in time with those four monstrous size guys and that pesky guy that can, with Jakeem Grant as an example, he can outjump most of the, the taller corners. You can just throw jump balls all day and, and, and really have a great time of it uh, with, with those guys out on the field. So, okay, so and, Paul. And, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there. So you're cutting Albert Wilson, right? Possibly. That, that would At make that a little bit more. That, then that would make a little more sense because I agree with you with Wilson being a, a pesky receiver. I'm not paying 11 million dollars a year for a fourth receiver who's pesky. That's that, that is way 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 out of my budget on that. And Higgins, very very talented. If you're going to break the rules for him a little bit, 
and and take him in the first forty picks. I, I I still wouldn't be able to do it, but I, I if if you don't have Wilson here and you you view Grant as just a special teams guy and um, Alan Hearns doesn't figure into the equation anywhere, I, I could see it a little bit more because he is a talented player. Anyway, he'll be tenth on my list. My as we continue with ours here. At number six, I'm going to go with Travis Etienne. Um, there's a group of about five or seven, five, six, seven running backs in this draft who will probably be great value here in the top 70 picks. I mean, and another one here is in this game. He's very thin and he's very fast, but he doesn't a lot of times play like that. I mean, he, the term contact balance is a word I see thrown around a lot. I mean, in that he can take a hit and not lose his stride and continue going at full speed up the field. He's somebody that's averaged uh, throughout his career just eye-popping yards per carry, 7.9 yards a carry. He had over 1,500 yards this past year heading into this game and 1,600 yards the year before. So I'm okay waiting at running back, but I wouldn't hate it if they took him there at 39, would probably want to wait to the back end of the second round because maybe he's there. Maybe you take a look as well at a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's going to be sixth on my list. And he, this past year, had 1,300, over 1,300 yards heading into this game. Uh, a lot of comparisons drawn to another 22. That's, uh, that's running back Emmett Smith. But I'm not sure prospect-wise if that's the greatest compliment. Emmett Smith was a five foot eleven, two hundred pound running back and ran a four six. Edward Solaire is probably going to be that same type of guy. But he gets it when you see him play. He gets it in the passing game. The awareness, the blocking, is something he gets as well. He had 50 catches with Joe Burrow this past year and always seemed very, very aware. So um, it, these guys in the late second, early third round area, Travis Etienne and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire are, are two considerations I think the Dolphins will have if they still have that vacant spot at running back. Paul, continuing on with your list after T. Higgins, uh, who, do you, who do you have? Man, i got to say, if, if Edwards-Hilaire came with Emmett Smith's offensive line, he would move way up this draft board yeah. for me. Unfortunately, he doesn't. And, and, you know, it's because you just talked about the running backs, I just want to talk about them very briefly. I know I've got them on my list somewhere, too which is, should come as no surprise to anybody. For me, the drop-off after ETN is decent. And as far as Edward Hilaire goes, he really is sitting there at the end of the second, beginning of the third, with a huge clump of running backs, including guys like Chuba Hubbard and a few others. That I like the guy, but as far as the value of him, it, it, it is what it is. But I, I'm, I'm still going to stick with the first one more time for, for number six for me. And this is where you finally see Grant Delpit enter play for me. The safety position, as I talked about a little bit with Isaiah Simmons, Delpit could come in and contribute right away, but it's not the, the largest area you need. I know he had a little bit of a down year, which is part of why he moved down my board a little bit. You and I both know early in the year when I was talking about safety prospects, I had him a lot higher. But unfortunately, he didn't have the same year he did in 2018 even though he offers tremendous value. And for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, he is still on my list for those first rounders. But again, we're talking maybe 18, definitely in the late 20s. I would, I would take Delpit all day. Yeah, it's – I mean, I, I think it would be crazy talking about 
at the beginning of the year, him being a late first, early second round prospect, but that's kind of where we are at this point. So I, let's recap our, our list here so far. Um, you've got, we both got Burrow at number one. I have mm-hmm. Isaiah Simmons at two. You've got Chase on. I've got Chase on at three, and you have Simmons at three. I have Delpit at four, and you have Christian Fulton at four. I have Fulton at five, and you have T. Higgins at five. At number six, I have running back Travis Etienne. You have Grant Delpit. So I'm going to throw it back to you for your seventh guy. For my seventh guy, it, while I do think the running backs will come off the board that we've referenced before this player, as far as it goes for Miami, I, I think Lloyd Cushenberry is a huge area of need and he's a very athletic center for LSU. He can he can really move around. He's got great size. He's good in pass protection. He's good in the running game and can be that leader in the middle of Miami's offensive line. It's going to be very hard to fill the center position. I've seen Travis Wingfield talk about Karras. I've seen a few folks that want to draft uh, Tyler Beatiz. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name yet. Um but I think Cushenberry, somebody both value-wise and need-wise, can come in, even if you're drafting him in the third round, which is where I think he's going to end up going, if not a little bit later, and immediately start for the Dolphins over Daniel Kilgore. I think he beats him out in camp. And I think he gives you some mobility we haven't seen at the position since, since Mike Pouncey left. And, and really, mobile centers are not a dime a dozen ones that you can pull like a guard are not a dime a dozen. And I think that's, that he really has that ability from the center position. And you can do a lot of fun things once you start adding ability and flexibility back into the Dolphins' offensive line. I have a, a Edward Solaire at seven, like I said, and my number eight guy is Cushenberry as well. And, and you've touched on a lot of it there. What I noticed about him when I watched him is, yeah, I see the raw potential. If um, You're talking about somebody here who's 6'3", 6'4", 315 pounds, coming out as an underclassman. Uh, one thing he certainly needs to improve on is, is his core strength and his balance, because I see him kind of all over the place. I see him losing a lot of battles because he doesn't have that balance and that core strength. I also think, too, that that's something that you can teach and something that you develop and you get him into the weight room, he gets stronger and you, you teach him fundamentals and techniques that, that we anticipate this Dolphins coaching staff doing. And then I think you might have a complete football player. And if you do, you're right, Paul. I mean, Daniel Kilgore got pushed back a lot this year. Uh, Evan Bame wasn't uh, quite what we thought he'd be. Also played a lot of guard instead of center. So, I mean, I, I and, and Michael Dieter may be a possibility at that center position, as well there. So that's number uh, Cushenberry's number eight. Who is number eight on your list? I'm actually going to throw eight and nine out together and you'll, you'll understand why I've got Edwards Hilaire and then Travis Etienne. And you've already touched on a lot of the reasons for them. Running back is a huge area of need for the dolphins. I expect Edwards Hilaire to be there in the third potentially, but he could go as high as the top of the second. I like Chuba Hubbard a little bit better, which we're not reviewing today. Um, 
but again, he, he definitely would offer value. I just think the running back position is so deep in this year's draft. And the reason I have ETN below Hilaire is I expect ETN to go at the end of the first, beginning of the second. That is not an area I want Miami to draft a running back at this point in time. So he just moves down based upon where I think he goes in this draft, where he's projected to go in this draft, barring a, a you know video with a gas mask bong. I don't see him sliding very far, uh, especially if he does have a good game uh, tomorrow or tomorrow evening. But again, it, it's mainly for for the, those two. They slide a little bit based on the depth of the position for me, and, and based on where the projected uh, draft prospect or draft position is when it comes to ETM. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And number nine on my list, I think I said he was ten, but he's actually nine, and that's that is T. Higgins. I mean, again, I see no need at boundary wide receiver, um, but it, I look at that seventieth pick in the third round, and I think you know what, if Higgins, if the inexperienced route tree comes into play if the lack of physicality comes into play um, and he's viewed as more of a Justin Hunter type of prospect as opposed to a Devontae Parker or Julio Jones type of prospect then maybe he falls a little bit that'd be the only situation there with Higgins just the best player available type there at not at at nine very talented very talented player number 10 to round out my list is a guard John Simpson they're six four 330 pounds it definitely has all the physical tools uh, is somebody who gets a hat on the hat in the run game. I was really disappointed with what I saw out of him this past weekend against Ohio state, because I, I thought that several players on that interior line gave him a lot of problems in pass protection. He dips his head a lot when in pass protection, we hope that or he would, he would hope that, those fundamentals get figured out as he enters the NFL game. I, I view him as more of a third, fourth round type of prospect. So that would round out my top 10 list, Paul. And number 10 on yours is? Sadiq Charles. He He's a very talented player, but he comes with some question marks. He's been sad a few times uh, by quote-unquote coach's decision. Uh, when he's been out there, he's done a very good job protecting Burrow as well as in the run game. But he comes with some question marks, which may make him a bigger value or may make him a bigger possibility to be a bust, whether it's on the field or off it. Um, There's a lot that has to be answered for, especially when you look at the fact that Flores and Greer are, are big, big, big character guys as far as that goes. I think Sadiq's value has slid in this draft a bit based around some of the, the question marks that are out there based on him being sad a lot. But if he can be the player we've seen flashes of, he'd offer tremendous value at the point in time that he is available for the Dolphins to to take a swing at him. So for me, it'd be Sadiq Charles. Yeah, kind of at the time we're we're recording this show, Charles is up in the air of whether or not he's going to declare for the draft. He would certainly benefit by going back for his his senior year. And yeah, he's somebody too that I would have I would have had 11th on my list. I, I was trying to sneak him in there, but very very raw and he may actually benefit by a lot of these left tackles going back for their senior years too. So that could actually move them back up the board to maybe that second or third round area. So a couple of players, Paul, noticeably absent from our list. LSU wide receiver Justin Jefferson 
is uh, Todd McShay, I believe, had him in his top 20 as far as overall prospects in this draft. I, I think he's an extremely talented player. I mean, he he fits a little bit more in the slot there, but I don't think he has the eye-popping, over-the-top, Randy Moshu type of ability that, that T. Higgins has. Um, A.J. Terrell is another one. You know, we had drafted Cordrea Tankersley a couple of years ago out of Clemson. That's been, other than some good games in his rookie year, that's been a nightmare. I look at him as a very inconsistent player from year to year. I don't know if Brian Flores is going to be willing uh, to put up with that. Uh, also, Richard Lawrence is a mid-round defensive tackle out of LSU. Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen at linebacker as well, number eight and number six. Patrick Queen had an interception of Tua when they played. Um, it's up in the air whether or not they come back or, or declare for the draft. And finally, on the Clemson side of the of the ball, the only two other names that really stick out at me are Tremaine Ankrum, the right guard. He's about six one and a half, six two, but a good football player. And so look out for him there, number seventy three. Should be, a, I'd say, a mid to late rounder, but could sneak up as well. Uh, Kayvon Wallace, number twelve, should be one of those mid round picks too. Uh, not overly big, not overly fast, but has a lot of awareness for the game too. So. Paul, anything else, anybody else out of this, these prospects that we've talked about or may not have talked about stick out for you? Yeah, Kayvon Wallace is, is one guy that I'm really looking at as well as I'm glad you brought up Rashard Lawrence. I think they're both going to offer tremendous value at the point that they're available and could be guys that could sneak into the, the rotation on defense, uh, if not buy for a starting job very early in the process, even as rookies. So the fact that these guys are going to be available later on, I've taken, like, I think I said I, I've taken Kayvon Wallace a few times in mock drafts thus far, and really they're two players that could drastically improve their stock as, as the offseason wears on. But as it stands today, where I think they're projected versus the value that they, they bring to the table, those are two guys to definitely keep an eye on that just missed my list. And to wrap up the show, probably the most two two most important questions. Number one, what is your prediction, Paul, for the national championship game, LSU versus Clemson? And second, if Trevor Lawrence were in the NFL draft in 2020, obviously he's not eligible, he won't be in, but he sh- likely will be the number one pick in the 2021 draft. So an incredible game, maybe the number one pick in the 2020 draft versus maybe the number one pick in the 2021 draft. So the second question is, if it were Burrow versus Lawrence in the draft today, who would you take? Which, which one do you want me to answer first? <laughs> um, as far as my prediction, I, I think LSU has been a total buzzsaw against everyone this year. You know, you can keep throwing number one, number two, number three, number four, ranked teams at them and they are destroying them not even keeping it close and you look at Joe Burrow and what he did in that first game of these playoffs I mean the man threw for how many touchdowns and almost 500 yards I believe it was in the first half it I think it was eight touchdowns he accounted for seven and seven sorry I thought he I thought he added a rushing one too but regardless we're debating seven or eight touchdowns in the first half of a game. And Clemson is, is a phenomenal team. Trevor Lawrence is a phenomenal talent, but I just don't see them stopping this LSU juggernaut. I think we're going to hear Ed Orgeron screaming up on the pulpit how, how excited he is about his boys doing what they do. 
uh, after this one, and, and it's well-deserved. I think it would put a great exclamation point on what's been an absolutely magical season for the LSU Tigers. Uh, as far as the second question, it's a lot closer for me between Burrow and Lawrence than it is between Burrow and Tua right now. Uh, I don't think Miami has a crack at Lawrence next year. But all things being equal, if both of them were in the same draft, as it stands right now, I would take Burrow, but I would not be unhappy with either prospect. I love Trevor Lawrence. I love his ability. There just is no one playing better right now than Joe Burrow at the quarterback position, and it's just not close. Uh, He is undeniably throwing up some insane numbers I mean, he is playing like it is a video game, not like it's real life. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a phenomenal NFL quarterback unless something drastic happens. And I just, for me, I would go Joe Burrow, but I would not be unhappy with Trevor Lawrence like I would with some of the other prospects that are in this year's draft. It would be a tough one for me. And, yeah, I would have Burrow and Trevor Lawrence definitive definitively above Tua if the draft were held today, uh, largely because of the injury. But I, I don't know if I would have had – I think I would have had Tua third on this list regardless of the injury. And that's not a, a slam against Tua. It's just a, more of a credit to, to Joe Burrow and to Trevor Lawrence. I would barely take Lawrence because I for two reasons. One, he, he has done it over two years instead of one. I know that's nitpicking. But Joe Burrow has gone from the fifth or sixth rounder that was projected into that number one overall pick. I think he's more the number one overall pick. But he did jump from 57% completion to 77% completion percent completion in one year. I would still take him number one. Great player, great prospect. Number two, yeah, I'm with you on LSU. I see them coming away with this. If I had to give a score, I would go – I'm going to go 35-28 LSU and they win the national championship. That will do it for our breakdown of the Clemson LSU rosters as we head into the the national championship game. Should be one of one for the ages. And you're listening to Paul and Cat on the fin side. You can follow me on at Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic with a PH, fanatic underscore pick. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Follow us throughout the entire offseason, into the dra- into free agency, into the draft, and into the season. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fence side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Catton.